So I'm very excited about this message this morning. Last week, I began a brand new series called All Things New. And I talked about how, as we've experienced, the world is a whole lot different now than it was when we started out this year called 2022. And we're starting to feel it, that trickle-down effect from what's going on globally, how it's trickling down to us as individual believers. It's now hitting our pocketbook. Amen? (laughs) And so it's hard because this life is so hard, even as a believer, right? As a new creation in Christ, we just experience all this adversity and this resistance and attacks of the enemy and people and the world and It's like never ending, but Jesus makes all things new. That's what I said, that's what he said, but I'm just repeating what he said, and I think sometimes we gotta get what he said into our hearts, right? And so, yes, amen, absolutely. And so I talked about how we're kinda caught between this in-between thing called for us Stranger Things fan, the upside down. Man, I just got through watching season four of Stranger Things. Wow. So we're in this thing called the upside down is how I like to call it. And this in between is us becoming a new creation in Christ. And so the day that we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, he said that Paul said that all things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. We're now a new creation in Christ. And now we are walking out our life. And whenever our life is over, whether it's death or Jesus coming back, we have a new home that he has prepared for us. Like he said in the book of John, during the Last Supper, he said, I go to prepare a place for you. And in my Father's house, there are many rooms, and if it were not so, then I would not have told you. So we can bank on it. That's gonna happen. And that, as I told you last week, gives me encouragement. Like, not in a depressing way, like, oh, my life really stinks right now, and I just can't wait to be with Jesus for all eternity. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that new changes everything, right? If I know I'm a new creation and I know that one day when this short period of time that we call life is over, I'm going to be in heaven with Jesus. And I read out of Revelation chapter 21 where really what God says is that I want to dwell with man and we're going to dwell with him. And I cannot wait for that day. That's going to be awesome. But right now, we're in this thing. We're in the upside down. We're in this thing called life, and it's hard. And I can tell you it's going to get a lot harder. So for those of you that are in here, maybe you're not in Christ. Maybe you're not a new creation. Maybe you've not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I'm here to tell you that's okay. But I'm also here to tell you that when you do become a believer and you receive him, it doesn't mean your life's going to be any easier. Matter of fact, I think it's going to get a lot harder Because everything, the reason why we're in this thing I refer to as the upside down is because everything is against God. Since the fall of man, since sin entered this world, everything is turned upside down. What God says, what the world says is completely different. So here we are. We're here as the church right now. We're the new creation in Christ. We have a new home to look forward to. But because we're a new creation in Christ and we're still on this earth, God has given us a new purpose. That's what I want to talk about today. The day that you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you now have a new purpose. 
And I believe there's some of you in this room today, whether you're youth or whether you're retired, I don't know where you're at, somewhere in between. You have a new purpose, and I'm going to tell you what that is. Because I think a lot of us are questioning, what is my purpose? One of the things we do here at the church that we're going to begin in the fall that we've already done a couple of sessions is called Alpha. And one of the biggest questions that is asked in the Alpha course, and Alpha really is a kind of a Christianity 101 type course that allows time for discussion and interaction, going through the gospel, explaining who Jesus is, what the Bible is, what God is, all that good stuff. They found that one of the top questions that's in that discussion and, and what they found when they did some research was, what is my purpose? Why am I on this earth? What am I supposed to do? And so I think anywhere from between youth and people that are on retirement right now, that, you, that you're part of that, that legacy generation, I think you're at a crossroads. That some of us are at a crossroads, we have a decision to make, or maybe we don't know what decision to make. Maybe we don't know what we're going to do with our life, or what we're going to do in this season in our life. Come on, anybody there? You're wondering, what am I supposed to do? Maybe you're doing something now, and you feel this stirring that, eh, I have to do something different. I just don't know what that is. And we know that God gives us the desires of our heart. I think he places desires in all of our hearts, and so there's that knowing that I need to do this. But sometimes it feels like God hasn't placed a desire in my heart, and I have no idea what I'm going to do. And the pressure that the world puts on all of us is tremendous, am I right? Like, you got to know what you want to do. Like, I mean, my kids, when they go through school, when they've gone through school, Zoe will be a senior this year. The pressure on her, yeah, praise God, hallelujah. Praise God, hallelujah. She's going to be a senior this year. One more year and she's gone. No, just kidding. I love you. No, but the pressure that is on her and youth that that are in high school right now to know what you're going to do when you graduate is tremendous. They even start out in preschool. What do you want to do for a living, little Johnny? Oh, I want to be a ninja. Ah, oh, that's awesome, Johnny. Yay, yay, yay. What do you want to be? I want to be a police officer. I want to be a firefighter or whatever. There is, there, we get that ingrained in us very early in this country as to what are you going to do with your life. You're supposed to know before you get out of grade school what it is you're going to do for your entire life. And that is not what God wants us to focus on. So I'm hoping what he has me say this morning is going to take some of that pressure off no matter where you are in your life right now, no matter how young or how old you feel or where you are. I love it. When we talk about age, everybody laughs, you know? I love that. We have a good sense of humor in this church. But see, here's the thing is that we're going to learn today that God has a plan for your life and we're going to find out what that is. So if you have an opportunity to do this, turn in the Bible to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, this is how I'm going to kick it off today. You're a new creation with a new purpose. Jesus made you new, and he has given you a new purpose because he makes all things new. This is what Paul writes, and he's writing this to the Roman church. So 2,000 years ago, he's writing this to us, essentially, the church. And this is what he says, and we know. Say that with me. And we know. Church, you know. You know. 
What is it that you're supposed to know? That for those who love God, how many of us in here love God? Yes, praise God, hallelujah, we all do, right? That all things work together for good. All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. We know that those of us who love God, all things work together for good. The problem with us is that we focus on all the things and they better work for good. For our good specifically, right? And what he's saying is, no, 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 no. Don't, don't focus on that. What I want you to focus on simply is love God. Love God. Love God. If you love God, then everything else is going to work out for your good. And you're going to be called according to your purpose. Is that what it says? No. no. According to his purpose. Not ours, but his. And I love this because ultimately, if we can just get our minds and our hearts right and we focus on loving God, then everything's going to be okay. And see, there's where what I said earlier this morning about trust. If we trust in him with all of our hearts, if we just trust in him, that as long as I love him, that everything's going to be okay, then even when you're going through the most difficult times in your life, there's this peace. You know he's got it. Because the Bible says right here that all things are going to work out for good because I love God. So here it is. I'm going to give you the, the purpose, our purpose right here and right now. It's what Jesus said. He said this when he was challenged by the Pharisees. They came to him and said, what's the greatest commandment? He said, to love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Heart, mind, soul, strength. I'm sorry, I don't have big biceps, but you get the understanding, right? That means with everything we are, like to the point where that's our that's our focus, that he literally, in a healthy way, is our obsession. Our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then Jesus said the second is simply this, that you are to love your neighbor as yourself. And this is out of Matthew chapter 22, if you want to look it up. Very specific. If you can whittle everything in the Bible down to two statements, it's simply this. My purpose is to love God and to love God people. Simple as that. Okay, you see it, some of these churches around here, even if you're driving down the the street, you'll see on the marquees, you know, we love God and we love people. That's awesome. Do you really? Because if you are, then you're not going to have a worry in the world. I'm not going to say you're not going to stress over things. You're not going to experience some anxiety, but deep down inside, you know God's got it. He just does. So how do I love God? Well, hey, the Bible's pretty specific. I mean, we look at different instances in the Bible where we see people that just spend alone time with God in prayer, that commune with Him. We see people that, that love people. How about that? See, if I love God, that means I'm going to love people. And if I love people, I'm going to love God. Because Jesus said, as I do unto these, these people, I'm also doing it as unto Him. 
So it's, it's all symbiotic, it's all, um, it's all interwoven together. And so if you ever have this moment of panic with what I'm gonna do in my life, then go back to this. Nope, wait a minute, I don't wanna focus on the doing, I just wanna focus on the being. That's what we're supposed to do. Like, I'm here right now as lead pastor, I have no idea how I got here. But I'm gonna tell you, as I go back and look, and I'm gonna share this here in a minute, some of the things in my life, I can see the correlation between what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22 and where I'm at today. It's simple as that. We need to quit focus on what am I going to do and who am I going to be? We say that, right? Be Jesus to everybody around us. Do we really know what that means? And, and it, people are like, well, how do I love God? You know what? I, I go back to relationships. If you're married, you understand this. If you feel like your spouse is kind of drifting away, then maybe you need to spend more quality time with an individual. The quality time aspect. Well, there's communication, two-way street. There's spending time with each other. There's enjoying each other's company. Look, if God created that in us, this thing called relationship and having connection with each other, there's a reason for that because he knows what that looks like. Before Jesus came to this earth, he, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, perfect communion, perfect relationship, they desire that with us as well. God, three persons in one, desires that with us as well. So what does that look like? That time with him. Because out of that flows the love for people. And my litmus test is if I get upset at somebody in traffic, because I've said this before, if I get short with somebody, if if I'm at the store and something happens and I'm just like, this person's driving me crazy, that's a sign that maybe I need some more QC or quality time with God. Because my purpose is to love God and love people. And I've talked so long that my iPad just timed out. (laughs) So how, how do we do this? So Pastor Jeff, I understand my purpose. My purpose is to love God, love people, but what about the things that I've gotta do in my life? Because really that's what that's kind of what's on my mind right now. I get that, which that's something we'll talk about a lot more in this church. But I'm also wanting to know what I'm supposed to do. Because listen, deep down in our hearts, as Jesus made us a new creation, I think ultimately what we ask ourselves is, or we actually, we actually ask God this too, if you're a believer, you'll say, hey, what am I supposed to do, Lord? What is it you want me to do? I think deep down inside, what drives this behavior of what am I supposed to do is ultimately you don't want to disappoint God. You want to fulfill the callings that he has for you in your life. And that's a noble thing. That's when you move into this, this thing from being a servant to being a friend of God, as Jesus said, right? He wants us he wants us to, to follow him, and, and we want to follow him, and we want to know specifically what he wants us to do. And ultimately, what it boils down to is, if we're men and women, after God's own heart. So today I'm going to talk a lot about David, and as I'm praying, if you want, you can turn to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16. 
because that's where I'm going to be the majority of the time today. And so with that, let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you so much for everybody that's here. Father, I thank you for the words I believe you've given me today. I thank you for helping us to understand our purpose in our life as a new creation in Christ, but also to understand the callings, the things that you want us to do in this world, how to understand what that looks like for our life. Because ultimately in our heart of hearts as you have made us a new creation, you want us to please you. We want to please you. Father, we thank you for that right now. Count it done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to talk a lot about David today, but listen, I'm going to share with you just a brief bit of my testimony. As a kid in high school, I knew, I knew I was going in the military. I just knew it, man. God put that desire in my heart, even though I wasn't saved. He started placing desires in my heart. That was the very first thing I did. And so right out of, out of high school, I went into, I went to VMI, which is a military school. It was college. Um, out of that came a commission in the army. And I served in the army. And I remember when I got saved, just before I went to my first duty station is when I got saved, which is right before I got married. And so as I'm going through the military, about three and a half years of active duty, God placed on my heart the desire to become a pharmaceutical rep. And I worked in, in, in the sales uh, field for a long time, for close to 14 years being uh, a pharmaceutical rep and had some promotions during that time in, in management and training people and traveled everywhere. And, and ultimately, I think during that season as I came out of the military or even in the military, God, as a new creation in Christ, God developed within me, not just more of a love and a deeper relationship with him, because let me tell you something, when you were first saved versus where you are now, your relationship with him has changed, at least it should have for the best, I hope, right? You grow closer to him, you know what it's like to hear from him, you feel his presence more, you just know that he's with you, and that comes through relationship. And so my love for him grew and got deeper the more that I walked with him. And as, even though I was in the army, what happened out of that became a love for my soldiers, and when I was in pharmaceutical sales, a love for the people that I was around. And there were occasional times when, as I would focus on my relationship with God, because I had a lot of time traveling in my car, traveling on planes to spend time with him, he would bring to me people, divine appointments. And there were multiple people that he allowed me to be able to pray for and to serve and to bring to Jesus and to love on and to bless. And because this, this thing was happening where during my time I was loving him and loving people, he began to open doors for me. And that's why he called me into full-time ministry. I, I could sense that. I knew that was coming. And sometimes you know it's coming because it sometimes is hard to leave where you're at. And what I have found is if God calls you into full-time ministry, you're usually in a place where everything is going really well. And you're tested are you going to do it or not? Are you going to obey me? And so I did. I said, okay, here we go. And as you well know, I became the associate pastor under Pastor Rob. And then as I began to grow faithful in that, loving God and loving you all, I hope, loving you all well, as Jesus would, next thing you know, now here I am as lead pastor of this church. And the whole point is, I had to be developed, and not that I, was, I did, did it perfectly, because I'm human, just like you all. I'm an ordinary person. 
But I think what he has done is train me to grow deeper in him in relationship and to love people. And the more that I did that, the more these desires or these callings would land in my heart. Like the more he would order my steps. And so maybe right now you're in a place where you don't know what your next step is. You don't know what you're supposed to be doing. And what I'm telling you through this testimony of mine is that if you would just simply focus on loving God and loving people, I promise you, maybe, maybe that's what you're supposed to do right now, is focus on those two things. And if you do that, then he is going to release that next step for you. And you're going to know it because that desire is going to be there. And you'll start to walk in it. And next thing you know, now, not only are you just fulfilling your purpose, but now, now you're fulfilling the callings that he has in your life. Does that make sense? Can I get an amen out of that? Awesome. So here we go. I'm going to start out in 1 Samuel, actually chapter 13. So if you want to go three chapters back a little bit. So to set this thing up, Saul, the first king of Israel, disobeyed God. There's two occasions where Saul was disobedient. He didn't wait on God, and then he didn't do what God told him to do. And because of that, God was done with him. Time to bring on somebody else, and that person was David. A man after God's own heart. And so this is what God said to Samuel. In verse 14, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. So there you go. This, this right here, the heart, this is where that relationship, that love for God and that love for people is developed, is placed. It's here in your heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. So this is Samuel speaking to Saul. And God already knows, obviously, the man after his own heart that's going to replace Saul, and that's David. So the reason why, and, and this is the question that I often asked, so how was David a man after God's own heart? So we're going to see here in a minute what he did before he became king. But then, of course, as we well know, some of us in here may not know, but David committed a tremendous sin, two sins actually. He committed adultery and he murdered his best friend later on after he was king. But see, here's the thing, David repented. He repented. Saul, on the other hand, Saul was trying to be God himself. God would tell him to do something, he decided to go against the grain and do what he wanted to do. Saul, in a sense, was not a man after God's own heart because Saul was trying to be his own God. And he was not repentant. And that's the difference. And that's why David was called. And that's why David is called a man after God's own heart. See, David was more a lover of God than himself. And see, we live in a world right now where it's okay to be a lover of yourself. It's okay to do what you want to do. It's okay to make your own path. It's okay to, to do whatever makes you feel good. And see, Saul was that person, and David was not. So as I was looking around, trying to find some things 
that the world says, I found this article. This article was in the Huff Post from January of 2018. It's titled Seven Steps, which I'm not going to read all of them to you, I promise. But Seven Steps to Forging Your Own Path by Petra Monaco. And this is what she wrote. She says, there is no right or wrong way to create the life you want. But there is your way. (laughs) The challenge is that it requires you to pause and listen to your own intuition and soul guidance. Wow. Okay. And what that looks like is different for everyone. Every move you make, you embrace, comes with a feeling. And that feeling lets you know if you're on track for yourself. How many of us should follow our feelings? No. (laughs) The truth is forging your own path isn't easy because there will always be someone who is going to tell you it isn't possible or that is not how things are done. And it will be up to you to decide who you listen to, other people or your own intuition and inner guidance. My friends, this is what the world is telling people. This is what the prevailing thought is, is that I do what feels good to me, that I don't have to listen to anybody. I'm my own self. I know the right decisions I need to make. And I think as believers, we can get sucked into this as well. Amen? But we're people after God's own heart. So instead, we are not to be a Saul, but instead we are be, to be a David. And this is now where I want you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16, beginning in verse 11. So Samuel knows he's got to go to Bethlehem. He's got to meet Jesse. This is David's father. And he has got to find the one that God was referring to as the man after his own heart to be the next king. And so this is where we pick up in verse 11. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So Samuel knows, here's the lineup. All of Jesse's kids lined up, all his sons, but there was one missing. He knew that's the one. That's the one that God wants. And where was David? He was tending sheep. Do you know what it's like to tend sheep? That is not fun. It's a nasty job. It's a job you wish that you didn't have. How many of you are there right now? You can say, my job is like tending sheep. You know what? Tending sheep is the best place to be. It really is. Because when you're tending sheep, and I see people laughing because I know some of the jobs that they have. When you're tending sheep, then you get to know really who you are. You get to know how much God is doing in you and how much he needs to still do in you when you're tending sheep. The worst job I ever had was flipping burgers at a fast food joint. 
All right, I've been there. And, and even, though, even though I hated it, even though I couldn't stand working in fast food, I did it for four years. I was faithful to that. I didn't even, didn't even know what faithfulness was from the age of 14 to 18. But I was there, and I worked hard, but it was tending sheep. So fast forward to when I was, when I was the associate pastor, and I'm going to reveal this to you. One of the things I hated the most was getting up every Thursday morning at 4 o'clock in the morning and helping Pastor Rob and Willie Knox mow the church property. And my job was to weed eat, so I would edge or, yeah, cut the grass down around the buildings, that kind of stuff. And let me tell you something, I think I walk four miles every Thursday morning just carrying that darn weed eater. <laughs> and out of that, I began to learn more about my character. <laughs> and I knew God was working something in me. It was just part of me having to tend sheep. Not that I'm comparing being the associate pastor as tending sheep. But in the sense it is, because you all, we all are considered sheep, right? Keeping sheep, it's hard sometimes because nobody sees you. It's hard sometimes because you don't feel like God sees you. It's hard sometimes because you feel like it's a dead-end job. It's hard because sometimes you feel like you're just simply alone. But see, during that time both for us when we're tending sheep and also for David. This is where faithfulness kicks in. This is where we remain faithful to loving God and loving people and God will remain faithful to move you on to that next calling and this is where we pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 17, if you want to turn there. Verse 12. Now David was the son of and an Ephorite of Bethlehem in Judah named Jesse, who had eight sons. In the days of Saul, the man was already old and advanced in years. The three oldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul to the battle. And the names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab the firstborn, and next to him Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three eldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward and took his stand morning and evening. And Jesse said to David, his son, take your brothers and ephah of this parched grain and these 10 loaves and carry them quickly to the camp to your brothers. Also take these 10 cheeses to the commander of their thousand. See if your brothers are well and bring some token from them. So see, even when, when David was told by his father to bring this stuff to his brothers that were on the front line. They're, they're fighting the Philistines. Saul is still king. They're fighting the Philistines. They're trying to conquer Israel's armies. They're at a standstill. The Philistine army is mighty, and this one guy named Goliath comes on the scene here. We're going to read here in a minute. But see, David's father asked him, go to your brothers and feed them and make sure they're okay and bring word back to me that they're still doing all right. And see, David, loving God and loving people, still thought about his sheep. It says right here that he was still thinking about his sheep. He was feeding his father's sheep, but then had to obey also his dad and love his brothers and go forward and take care of them. So what we find here is David was positioned properly. 
when he was tending the sheep, he was in the perfect position to receive his next calling. Because what we're going to find out here is as David was faithful to God and tending the sheep and faithful to loving people, we're going to see here that his calling is going to take another step. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 20. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took the provisions and went, as Jesse had commanded him, and came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line, shouting their war cry. Continue on in verse 21. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. And as he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. And David heard him. Again, he was positioned. He was in the, in the place where he had to be. And he saw what was about to happen. And this is when David moves from tending sheep to starting his journey as becoming king of Israel. And verse 24, all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the men who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Where on earth did this come from? This came from his time tending sheep. What was he doing tending sheep? He was focused on loving God. He was investing in the relationship. And he had this, this confidence knowing that God was with him that he could look at the Philistine army and look at Goliath and say, who is that uncircumcised Philistine? What is your Philistine? What is your Goliath right now? What is standing in the way of you moving forward, moving to the next calling that God has for you? Ultimately, it's not him or it or whatever. It's based on how much you know God, how much you know he's on your side and how much you love him. Scoot down to verse 31. And when the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for them. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and has been a man of, he has been a man of war from his youth. Hey, don't underestimate the young people of today. Okay, yes. The young people today are the church now. And see, what Saul is saying from a place of not being in a relationship with God is the youth are nothing. He has no experience. He's wet behind the ears, whatever you want to say. Don't pay attention. You, he can't do it. And how many of us might say that about our youth of today? And I'm telling you, don't. But see, if God is saying that about the youth and how the youth can be used mightily, just like we're about to see David being used mightily, 
then it's also for all of us, no matter where we are. Young, old, in between, God can use us. Because again, age has nothing to do with our calling. Age has nothing to do with whether or not we can conquer that Goliath. It's simply fulfilling our purpose in loving God and loving people. Moving down to verse 34, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and his uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. It's not about slaying lions, tigers, and bears, oh my. What he's saying here is, as I'm being faithful in tending the sheep, God developed me in that season. He was the one that gave me the strength to defeat these things that were trying to come against the sheep. Because, again, tending sheep is not a job for the faint at heart. Constantly having to be on the lookout for thieves and for animals that would want to prey on them. So during this season, as David was focusing on loving God and doing, being faithful and doing what he was doing at the, at the present time, then God did some mighty things for him and through him and prepared him for this next thing, this next calling. Going into verse 38, and we're almost done. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David stopped, strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Sometimes to move forward in our calling, we have to go with what we know. It's not about our skills. It's not about what we're armed with. It's about just knowing God. It's not about the weapons. It's about knowing God. So then David goes towards the line, and it says this in verse 45. David said to the Philistines, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But here it is. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And he goes on to say, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. This is from a place of knowing God. This is from a place of having that loving relationship, being developed while tending sheep, being developed in that place where you don't know why you're there, but you're there, and it's going to be okay. This is what happens. And ultimately, he says, the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 12. This is in closing. Saul was afraid of David. So David, this young boy with a stone and a sling, brought down the mightiest warrior of the Philistines, Goliath. And it says here that David, David was now feared by Saul And why? 
Because the Lord was with him. Because the Lord was with him. That's why David was afraid of him. Or Saul was afraid of David. The Lord was with him. Like, I don't care if my accolades are on my tombstone. I don't need people to know that I was in the military and that I was a pastor. What I want people to know is that the Lord was with me. That, that knowing, having him with me is all I need to know right now. Is I'm tending you, the sheep, and I love my job, okay? I know I made an allusion to it in the past here that <laughs> it's not the greatest thing, right? No, but I love tending the sheep that God has given me, whether online or in person. But what I really love is knowing that God is with me. Because out of that, my purpose, loving him and loving people, will come my calling. That's what I think we need to focus on. So really the big idea, everything that we wanna know right now is simply this, that when you become a new creation in Christ, Your new purpose is simply to love God and to love people. And then God will call you to do new things. That's the big idea. David loved people because he loved his family. He loved his dad enough to obey his dad and love his brothers. But above that, he loved God. And because of that, God was able to do mighty things from him, whether it's slaying lions, tigers, and bears, or slaying Goliath. God did amazing things through him, but again, his focus was not on the doing, it was all about the being.